Hello and welcome to the Liron Glickman Show, the show that explores the human component around business, marketing, and communication in a hybrid changing world. I'm Liron Glickman, your host, a global business development consultant and business relationship and personal branding strategist. Today, I'm very honored to host the creativity whisper to the C-suite, Natalie Nixon. Natalie, how are you? Hi, Liron. I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. So good morning to you. And um, are you in Philadelphia at the moment? Yes, I'm on the east coast of the United States in Philadelphia. Yes. Amazing. So good morning. Good evening here in Tel Aviv. Um, allow me to share a bit about you before we actually jump into the the discussion. So Natalie Nixon uh, experience, has an experience in living in five countries, we're going to talk about it, um, with a background in anthropology, fashion, academia, and dance. This actually distinguished you uh, as one of the kind creativity expert. Um, among your credentials, uh, Natalie recognized among the top 50 speakers in the world by real leaders. Congratulations. And her book, The Creativity Leap, was recognized by Space Company um, and their World Changing Ideas Awards. That's incredible. Um, you've worked with so many different companies, Salesforce, Google, Microsoft, IBM, and many more. And I'm really excited to have you uh, on this show. Um, allow me to address one, I would say, fun fact that uh, I realized that you actually lived in Israel in one of those five countries, right? Yes, I did. I, I earned part of my master's degree in global textile marketing at Shankar right in the middle of Tel Aviv. And that was decades ago now, but I had an incredible experience living and traveling throughout Israel. Amazing. And, you know, we all are very uh, uh, proud of the Shankar. It's definitely one of the best uh, schools in Israel. And I'm happy that, uh, you know, you, you were able to share it uh, as well and become a part of your experience. Um, yes. Yeah. And it all comes together actually to creativity and to the, your diverse experience. And through that, we're actually going to discuss about uh, several topics. First of all is of course, harnessing creativity to become a better and impactful leader, um, using creativity in uncertain and unstable times like we're experiencing at the moment, um, how to advance teams through creativity and more. So I would like to start with, you know, with the obvious, if you can share a bit about, um, again, your background, your diverse background and how you got into uh, working in creativity and even a bit more about Israel, if it had something to do with, with that. Sure. So my background is very loopy. It's a very diverse background. Um, it's a background in cultural anthropology, in fashion, uh, design thinking, academia. I was a professor for 16 years. And um, the first 10 years of that time, I taught the business of fashion. And my background in the fashion industry started um, when I was an entrepreneurial hat designer in New York City uh, in the early 90s. I then went on to earn my master's degree in global textile marketing. And part of that time was in Israel at Shankar. And then I was hired by a global fashion sourcing firm. It was actually at the time a division, a daughter company of the limited brands. Mm -hmm. And that gave me incredible opportunities and exposure to live and work abroad in Sri Lanka, as well as in Portugal. And I actually worked on the Victoria's Secret account, um, sourcing the fabrics, the materials, and working with the designers and the merchandisers and buyers on, um, on making high quality underwear for women. Um, so, my backgrounds, which have been, 
I've, I've always built my career really not in a very linear way at all. Um, I've never had really like a five-year plan, definitely not a 10-year plan. Um, I really lead with my intuition and that has helped me to engage in work that is very purpose uh, and driven and meaningful to me. And I really follow my intuition when I'm realizing that I'm not as passionate about the work because in my view, when we follow our hearts, um, it's actually a much more efficient way to live because I'm now at an agent stage in my life where I see so many people struggling with, they may have made a lot of money, but feel quite empty inside. Um, and they feel like they've just been kind of chasing this emptiness. Um, and so that's why I say it's actually a much more efficient way to live when you follow your heart. And um, of course, earning money, building wealth, making an impact, um, getting really good at what you do is all part of the journey. So what I do now as a creativity strategist is an incredible kind of magical convergence of all of those experiences. And I advise leaders and companies on transformation, transforming their business models by applying wonder and rigor, which is the unique framework that I've developed to help people understand that creativity is not something that only artists do. Um, and it's not a nice to have something on the side. It's actually core to innovation. It's really essential. It's an imperative, especially now during unprecedented amounts of change. And um, you mentioned innovation and creativity. And now, you know, here in the startup nation, uh, we're very proud, proud of, uh, of, you know, the innovative um, way that we have come to create startups and so on. But let's let's put the, the, the spotlight on what is the difference between creativity and innovation in this regard? So let's first start by defining what an innovation is. An innovation is an invention converted into scalable value. So an invention might be a really great idea, but until you can convert it into having scalable social value, financial value, cultural value, it's not an innovation. So it's, it's figuring out how to convert it at scale. What is that conversion factor? How do you go from the invention to the innovation? That's creativity. And that's why creativity is core to innovation. It's creativity that helps us identify new strategic partnerships, new revenue models, figuring out different sorts of activities that we can infuse into our products, our services, our experiences that would actually give them even greater impact and actually convert it into an innovation. And that's why it's essential that in the boardroom, in the hiring practices, in, in all strategy, creativity, that the capacity for creativity is something that we imbue ourselves with first, because you can't expect it of others if you yourself are not building your own capacity for it and then diffusing it throughout the organization. I like how you define each of them and it definitely makes makes a lot of sense now. Um, and, and again, you, you mentioned a few times that creativity is not a nice to have thing. It's actually a must have. So if we're talking about this day and age, what is the new role or the relevant role and the impact of creativity in today's digital world, uh, whether it's for leaders or teams in small startups or even in, in corporations. So we are at a time where we now know we can work from anywhere and we can learn from anywhere. Mm -hmm. And that's building a lot of pressure on companies to convince really highly qualified people, especially the younger generations, Gen Z 
and Gen Y who look at their options very differently than my generation. I'm a solid Gen Xer mm -hmm. and they need these companies need to figure out ways to be able to attract and then retain exceptional talent. So in a world where we can work from anywhere, we can learn from anywhere, the companies, the teams, the leaders that work at the intersection of the following three things, technology, productivity, and meaningful human experience will be the ones that thrive and flourish. And among my clients, they typically have two out of the three down. They might be a tech company and they're, they're getting better at being productive or they've got great productivity metrics and they're just trying to figure out which tech platform to use and optimize. What most of them have not figured out how to do is how to build meaningful human interaction internally colleague to colleague, but also externally client facing. And I always jokingly say I'm a little biased but in my view, the intersection, the thing that is going to interweave productivity, tech, and meaningful human connection is creativity. That's the way that companies will be able to show that they're building a culture, especially in a time of ubiquitous technology. What will distinguish you as a company where people won't fear that their job will be replaced in the next couple of years? years or six months. This is a reality. We have automation, AI, VR, AR, robotics. The train has left the station. That's not going away and it's going to increase. And there will be casualties where a lot of people will have to will lose their jobs. But how do you now make room and more space for people's human creative capacity. And that's going to be the distinctive factor. And you know, it reminds me that so many companies today talking about um, branding, um, you know, employee employee branding, and you know, really try to, to give so much to the employee. But you know, it's, I think, as you said, it's really about what people get um, emotionally, less about, you know, maybe the money or the pranks or, um, as you said, how to create the, the emotional, the connection between other people. And, and you mentioned also about, it's not only internally, you mentioned also it's about connecting with prospects or investors or clients. So how, if you can have examples of how can creativity be used to foster that, that better bond, um, different examples from when you, you see from other companies. Yeah, well, I can share an example of a company that I worked with that wanted to, it's in the legal sector, and the legal sector actually, um, at least in the United States, has a high rate, unfortunately, of suicide. Um, there's a lot of back and forth of people going from firm to firm. There's a lot of fluctuation. Mm -hmm. And they hired me to help them understand how they might use design thinking as a problem solving process and methodology to identify what, what, was, what is core to their associates and their partners that can add value to the work that they're doing. But they wanted to first start with what matters to their own associates. And this is a very creative process because I happen to be married to a lawyer. Uh, lawyers tend to think in a very linear way and lawyers are incredibly creative. I've seen that exhibited in the way my husband works because they have to take their legal training combined with the problem that you, the client have and figure out from various perspectives different ways to approach that problem that's that's a reframing process which is an incredibly creative process of juxtaposing new and old approaches and ideas so working with this firm 
we worked across five different time zones or a smaller group of people because we were pro I was helping them to build prototypes. Mm -hmm. The act and effort of prototyping is a creative process because that speaks to one of what I call the three eyes. Mm -hmm. So as I said, creativity is toggling, going back and forth between wonder and rigor to solve problems. Yeah. But how do you do that on a consistent, sustainable basis? Yeah. You have to apply what I call the three eyes which are inquiry or curiosity, improvisation, or the ability to experiment and say yes and, yeah. and then finally intuition. And intuition is, I call it pattern recognition. For my book, The Creativity Leap, I interviewed over 50 leaders across different sectors and every single one of them shared, were able to share with me stories about the ways that they used their intuition that mind heart gut connection in their rational decision making so what i saw this law firm do as i was uh, taking them through ways to deal with problems that they were identifying that their clients are having trying to meet the needs of their clients trying to meet the needs of each other in a much more creative way um, they prototyped they reframed questions they suspended judgment on themselves and they challenge their own assumptions. And that in and of itself is an incredibly creative process because you are doing this wonder, which is about deep curiosity, audacity, big imagination, exploring all possibilities, humongous blue sky thinking. And it also requires us to pause. Most of us are just churning. Yeah. And if we don't pause, of course we're gonna keep getting the same results. Yeah. The rigor is about focus, discipline, mm. skill mastery, time on task. So taking them through this design thinking process, they were doing this toggling between wonder and rigor to solve problems. And what was amazing to me at the end of the process, they developed prototypes to launch within their organization. And you just now spoke about the emotional needs that we need to address. Two of the prototypes were really addressing the psychological safety that attorneys need, especially young attorneys coming up, as well as the well-being and mental health of attorneys, which I going into the project, I thought that they were only going to deal with, you know, integrating technology to get um, the, the client uh, attorney process accelerated and, and be able to close cases more quickly. I thought that that was the kind of thing that they were going to work on. But no, they really dug in to the human, the, the human element of practicing the law, which was fabulous. I love it. And as you just said, creativity can also save lives. Um, but I think, um, you know, like so many people, again, if I work with startups or corporations, you know, they get into the race and they don't have time to think much or stop, you know, think of a greater picture. And sometimes it is so crucial to have someone like yourself coming from an outer point of view and either asking the right questions or helping them creating those processes. And, and with that in mind, um, how, what, what can leaders, again, or management do to keep creative and consistent over time, um, even though they have the burnout and you know, they're in the race? How can they get out of the race and help themselves to keep the creativity and passion alive? So I often say that this is inside out work. We can't expect our teams, the people with whom we work, to uh, be better at curiosity and improvisation and following their intuition if we aren't 
ourselves practicing it and if we don't incentivize our teams and people with whom we work to do it. So the meeting after meeting after meeting has to cease. People will burn out. They'll check out and they're, you're actually not getting people's most productive selves mm. when they don't have time to pause. So intentionally building in time and windows of time where there are no meetings um, is your responsibility as a leader if you really truly want the best out of your team. Sometimes the pushback is, well, our clients will never stand for it. We have to respond immediately to when our clients need us. Yeah. Well, yes and no. The funny thing about the way you are setting up your business to serve your clients is that your clients have an, an incredible way of beginning to adapt to the boundaries that you set, mm -hmm. especially if the boundaries that you set are going to increase the quality of the work output. Mm -hmm. So on a personal level, something that two things that I would recommend. Uh, which may sound benign, but more and more the scientific research is showing how important this is. Number one, we've got to take more daydream breaks. And I don't mean meditation, because number one, meditation can be feel a little intimidating and like it's easy to be distracted. I actually want you to be distracted, right? So when you daydream, instead of focusing on the task at hand, you allow your mind to wander. You use a, a cloud floating by in the sky. You go outside and sit on the steps. You take your smartphone and you put it on a timer for three minutes, yeah. 90 seconds, whatever you can afford. Yeah, and you watch an ant crawl. And what's happening is that we are allowing the neural synapses in different regions of our brain to be activated, not just in the frontal neocortex. And when we do that, that toggling of allowing different neural synapses in our brains to light up, that's actually where the cool synchronicity and rejuxtaposition of new ideas comes. That's why when we wake up from a rest, when we are shower, we have those shower moments, we've allowed that deeper connectivity to happen. So it's really important to do that. So if you can only afford a one 90 second daydream break per day, I challenge you to commit to that for the next seven days. Just try it. The second thing is movement. Mm -hmm. As humans, we are not designed to be sedentary. And I know that so much of our work requires that of us, but we have to move. We have to take walks, even if you live in a flat, if you live in an apartment, yeah. walk the span of your apartment, right? But you, you have to remember that your spinal cord is attached mm -hmm. to the base of your brain. The spinal cord is an extension of your brain. So when we move, we're actually increasing blood flow and therefore oxygen, which will actually help us to think. So encourage your teams to do that. Gamify it, create some sort of a game and points uh, as people can report in the amount of time that they're doing. And actually, as leaders, we have to model this. We have to model these behaviors so that our teams don't think it's going to be punitive if they don't do it. You know what I like about this? That, as you initially said, it's so simple, yet so impactful. If science is backing that, we, most of people, I guess, know that they feel better when they walk around, when they distract themselves for a bit. So here it is. This is just here next to us. Yes. And if yes. we're trying to tackle, let's say, a very common um, practice, um, 
if it's about uh, planning your next quarter or next year, you know, sometimes it may be difficult uh, to, to look at this in fresh eyes and rejuvenated attitude. Um, how, would you, how would you approach that? What would be your recommendation for, for that specific uh, type of work? I would go back to one of the eyes I, I mentioned, which is inquiry and curiosity. The way I think about asking questions and curiosity. I've learned a lot from Warren Berger, who wrote, has written some great books about curiosity, A More Beautiful Question, The Book of Beautiful Questions. Um, and as Warren likes to say, asking questions is a way of thinking. And we actually um, penalize each other for asking questions. We learned this early on in school. Unfortunately, only if you go to really kind of elite schools, they encourage you to be curious. Uh, especially in the United States, it's, it's in most of the public road schools, it's like fill in the dot, uh, answer the, don't ask a question, answer the question, complete the worksheet, right? Fall in line. But what I understand to be true is that questions are inputs into a system. Mm -hmm. So the more diverse the inputs or the more diverse the questions, the more innovative the output. So if you are a startup leader, if you're a business leader, and you're trying to figure out how to shift your business model in some way, ask different questions. Well, you might rightly say, but I can't think of new questions. Fair enough. Invite people in to who have fresh eyes on your process, on your plan, on your model, and ask them for clarifying questions because that will open up a whole new perspective that you have never even considered. And it could be sometimes the person might not feel they're being very helpful. They're thinking this is maybe this is an obvious question uh, to you, but it may open up a totally new perspective on what you're looking at. So in design thinking, this is related to something called lateral thinking. How would if I worked in, if I work in education, if I brought in someone from the fashion industry, totally different sector, how would they look at that same problem? What's a question that they have? What, how might they approach it? If I work in agriculture and bring someone from tech or from a, a near adjacent industry, the fishing industry, right? So it's so important to have cognitively diverse teams, something that um, Hirschberg from, who's the former, Jerry Hirschberg used to be the head of design at Nissan, the car company. Mm -hmm. He called it creative abrasion, super important. So the diversity and all, again, the diversity of thought and profession could also support in creativity, as you're saying, asking the different questions, giving the different angles, like chewing the information. I love it. Yeah, and if you if you can't think of a new question, invite someone in yeah. who, who, do not be afraid to share. Sometimes yeah. I think we think we like what I'm working on is top secret. I can't let anyone else know. Okay. Yeah. In my book, The Creativity Leap, I talk about there's really not a lot that's new under the sun. Yeah. It's all about the remix. It's the mashup. Right. So, so don't let that that fear stop you. And again, it's so simple to do. Just find the right people. Everybody is. Most people love to share their opinion, even if they are not from your company. Exactly. Um, so here you go. And I just want to mention um, this information about the three eyes is also a part of your LinkedIn course uh, at LinkedIn Learning. Right. Lead with inquiry, improvisation and intuition. So here you go. I invite you to. Uh, read more about that. Um, let's talk about the corporate level. Um, I have been working with different corporates around the world and um, many of them talk about innovation and how important it is and, and how crucial and so on. But 
they actually don't give the right settings for their employees if it's about time, resources, um, stress, and so on. So I'm sure there are some risks for organizations who do not um, support creativity at work and what solutions can they take from your experience? Sorry, you're asking risks for organizations that do not support that do not actually support creative creativity or innovation within its um, system? Sometimes it, it helps to, I go back to prototyping, to start small and yeah. simple. Most radical change happens through a slight crack in the system, right? It's a fissure. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen overnight and people need a bit of proof of concept. So you are able to take a small team and um, test out a new way of working through a pop-up. It, it could initially really, guys, be through a, a series of doodles yeah. that you scribble on a, on a blank piece of paper. You take a screenshot of it, you have it on an iPad, and you walk it around to people and you ask them, what do you think of this idea? As customers, it's low stakes. It doesn't cost you anything. You start to get very initial feedback. And the whole value of prototyping is to build, test, learn, and therefore save millions of dollars of minimum hundreds of thousands of dollars. So sometimes building the case by that small proof of concept is one way in organizations that are a bit more um, reticent and hesitant to engage in creativity um, and to engage in a different way to go about innovating. It always is a, is a marvel to me that so many companies say they want to innovate, but they don't want to build in any buffer for failure exactly. because innovation actually requires us to make mistakes. It's so messy. It's not linear. Uh, you fail a lot you it's very murky you don't know what you're doing all the time but you have to trust the process so prototyping is a, in a small way is a way in an organization that doesn't really allow for that you know ask for forgiveness not permission start with a small prototype build proof of concept and then hopefully you'll begin to get traction and i love what you say ask for forgiveness not per, not, not permission just do it worst case you can say, I'm sorry, but at least you did. It doesn't work out. Right, exactly. Yeah. But and what if it does? What if it does? Exactly. You know, 3M, and we have so many different examples in the market of companies that did, you know, um, floor, um, nurture creativity within its, uh, you know, work, and we're enjoying the, the fruits. Um, you know, this time, um, and again, this currently there is a lot of talks about um global crisis and so on and you know how the economy works sometimes it's up sometimes it's down and obviously if we're talking again on either um startup founders or different management and corporations you know that the burden is heavy and can be intimidating or stressful and in in tough times like this how can managers gain confidence through creativity um it has to come through perspective if we are only have this tunnel vision and focus on everything that's wrong and bad, um, we can't zoom out and gain perspective. The zooming out also includes building in you the way you work mm -hmm. a, I don't want to call it an advisory group, but a, a, like a, a coterie of other individuals 
for, with whom you can bounce off ideas, with whom you can gain different perspective about their own business. Um, and also celebrating the very, very small wins. Mm -hmm. It creates an energetic, emotional momentum that helps all of us to show up to work in a much more positive way. So when for all of us, when we look back on our successes, they didn't happen, at least I, not in my experience, they don't happen with one gigantic success. It happened because this started and then I tried this and then I was encouraged by this. And it was, it's a, it's a systems approach, right? It's a cascading effect. Um, and the other thing that I think it's important is we have to take care. We have to take care of ourselves. Again, I go back to this phrase I love to use, which is that it's inside out work. Mm -hmm. And so another technique that I'm a big fan of is something I call become a clumsy student of anything, but of something because outside of work, yeah. it should have nothing to do with work, uh, something that you want to learn. And it's really great if you're not very good at it. Because when we're not good at something, we develop a sense of humor about ourselves, we develop perspective, we develop humility, deeper curiosity, we get better at all of those three eyes. So right now, I am a clumsy student of ballroom dance. Wow. And it's great because it actually is giving me the courage to be more curious, intuitive, improvisational in my work. Uh, because when I'm dancing, I'm not the best person in the room. I make mistakes all the time. I get frustrated with myself and then I have to get over myself and keep it going. Mm -hmm. And I also have so much fun. I laugh a lot. I'm moving, I'm learning. And again, it is wiring up, firing up different neural synapses in my brain that then become helpful for the work at hand. So that's another way to zoom out and gain perspective. I love that you share that. And, you know, I've just in the past year, I've started learning French and, you know, I, I, I make money from speaking and suddenly I barely speak. I don't know how to communicate. And yeah. I love the process that you're just saying, you know, I'm laughing, I'm whatever. I'm not the, the, the best at that. And, and I'm okay with oh, it. Oh, that's awesome. I love that example. It's humiliating and, and fun, actually. That's um, good. Yeah. Especially for, for a speaker. Um, right, right. So you just mentioned that and I would like, To us to, to get more into your world. So if you have another creative habit that, that improved your life and, and business results that you can share with us. Dance is a big one. Mm -hmm. The other clumsy student, and I'm really a student of it right now, is vegetable gardening. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've now in my second summer attempt, which had lots of failures, but I learned so much. I learned what I'm going to do better next yeah. year. It's also... It's such a basic human connection to the earth and it's so magical. Like when you, you plant something that's so tiny and then you see it growing and then it sprouts a tomato or it sprouts a pepper or you can actually, yeah, you, the cycles, you can incorporate into your own life. I can eat it as part of our salads, the, the greens that we're growing. So um, that's another thing. For, for me, metaphor is so rich and helpful in helping me to return to my work with a much more renewed energy, better perspective. Um, I learn all the time in that way. That's beautiful. So Natalie, you've shared so many amazing practices. Among them would be, you said, doodle, question, start small, daydream, move your body, zoom out. So many valuable 
uh, tips that are, again, it's so easy to, to do. And by that, increase our creativity, our resilience, our results. Um, thank you so much for that. And, and how can our audience connect with you apart from LinkedIn and your website, figureightthinking.com? Well, first, thank you for again for inviting me to share and have this conversation with you. I really enjoyed it. But yes, if, if uh, your, your audience goes to figureightthinking, the number eight.com, a lot of resources, including a, a sample chapter of the book, The Creativity Leap. There's actually a resources tab. If you click the download section, all sorts of tip sheets and resources that would be very valuable. And of course, I'd love it if people checked out the LinkedIn course, Lead with Inquiry, Improvisation, Intuition. Definitely. All those links are going to be just uh, just next to this video. And I'll also add your book, The Creativity Leap, which I'll also um, share a link to, to your uh, great book. Um, I want to thank you again. Thank you so much, Nelly, for, for making the time and your busy schedule to come and share those, those amazing tips with us. Um, yeah, thanks so much. And It was my pleasure. And I hope to see you in person in Israel one day. That would be awesome. <laughs> you, either in Israel or in the, in the East Coast, you know. In Philadelphia. <laughs> I would love to have you here once again. I'm sure you won't recognize uh, the country, but I'm sure you have so much to contribute. I don't think I will. <laughs> I think I told you that at our preliminary call, like you, you lived, uh, you actually lived in Bnei Brak, which I think yes. you experienced such a special uh, Israeli experience that not many of people are like me, uh, actually secular that experience. So I, I would be happy to show you more of us. Um, yeah, no, no. And I, I definitely saw lots of different parts of Israel. Um, it's a very diverse country. I don't think people realize how yeah. multicultural it is, which was the really cool part for me to experience about it. Creative. That's how creative creativity yes, is. Yes, it is. Talking yes, it about is. that. So again, thank you so much for, for joining us. And thank you for watching the Leron Lickman show, the show that explores the human component around business, marketing, and communication in a hybrid world. I invite you to subscribe to the channel, leave your comment, um, connect it, Natalie, just next to this video, you'll find all the links. And I'll see you on the next episode.